Hello there, studio teacher friends. Welcome to this, the Beyond Measure podcast with me, Christina Whitlock. This is a listener-supported podcast designed to remind you that, yeah, there are other people out there who do what you do and feel the way you feel. Listeners who appreciate the work I do here can keep it happening by joining the Patreon community or by enrolling in things like the Studio Foundations course, which just so happens to be starting a new session today, September 4th. Because this is a self-led course, you can still jump in this week with no trouble whatsoever. You can find more information in the show notes for today's episode or at christinawhitlock.com foundations. And now, friends, on with the show. <laughs> this is episode 142, Cheers to Being Your Own Method. So friends, today is sort of a culmination of a lot of my ponderances over the past year. Here's some backstory for you. I debuted two new presentations for music teacher groups this past year. At the MTNA National Conference in Reno, I gave a session titled Busy Teens, Should They Stay or Should They Go?, which obviously focused on what we should do with these overscheduled teenagers. Then at NCKP in Chicago this past July, I debuted a session titled The Teacher as the Method, Relying Less on Books and More on Individual Expertise. If you are not already aware, the idea of the teacher as the method is certainly not my own brainchild. That honor goes to the great Frances Clark, Queen Frances, as I call her. <laughs> Obviously, these are two distinctly different sessions, but they also share a common underlying theme. Both sessions were essentially giant permission slips for teachers to take the reins on what their unique lesson experience is going to look like. Between both of those sessions and the nature of several teacher consultations that I've been giving recently, I recognize this great need in our profession to re-examine the limitations we put on ourselves sometimes as teachers. So I just want to start by talking about method books. A method series is any kind of publication you use to sequence the fundamental elements of learning your instrument. Here in Piano Teacher World, we have so many methods. And believe me, I use so many methods. <laughs> Trust me, I have the purchase receipts to back up this claim. <laughs> In no way whatsoever am I suggesting that method series are a bad thing, okay? It's really important we understand that today because I adore the composers and the publishers behind these series. 
anyone who has gone to the trouble of putting together a method series is someone who knows a lot about their instrument. I can find value and respect in pretty much any publication I come across. But can we take a moment and look at what a method book really is? I want you to think about the process behind getting a method book published. Someone, or a team of someones, has to think through the steps involved in learning our instrument. They are also likely dealing with the steps involved in learning to read notation, which, by the way, is not to be confused with the aforementioned task of learning the instrument. (laughs) But when all is said and done, the powers that be behind any method series have to make a series of concrete choices. They have to decide on one order of concept sequences. (laughs) Like, we are going to do this, and then we are going to do that. They have to decide on how many pieces they are going to devote to each concept. They have to decide what a student needs to know before they learn X, Y, or Z. Oh, yeah, and they have to think about printing costs, which means they ultimately have to condense this information down into the smallest possible number of pages to make this thing profitable. There are also so many influences that come from the, quote, industry standard. You'd probably be surprised how much influence materials already on the market have on new publications. And these are just a small number of choices that go into creating a method book. And I just want you to keep that in mind while I'm talking here. Once upon a time, I wanted to write my own method series. If I'm being really honest, I think that I saw it as a way to establish myself as an authority in our field. You know, I saw all the things that I didn't like about method series that were on the market, and I was convinced that I knew exactly what needed to happen. (laughs) But here's the thing. It did not take me long at all to recognize that there is no way to create the perfect universal method. Because as we all know, every student is unique and learns differently. And every single lesson with every single unique student presents different opportunities. So the idea of trying to fit all of these customizable options into one printed collection, oh man, that is a really, really tough mountain to climb. Here's an example. Your early beginner piano student has recently mastered naming the white keys on the piano. Then, naturally, they often ask you what you name the black keys. Now, some teachers will brush past the question simply because, well, it's not time for that yet. Or, you know, they're not going to learn that until book two in their method series. So we'll just brush it under the rug for now. (sighs) Of course, (laughs) let me say that we cannot jump down every single potential rabbit trail from every question our students ask us. But in that particular instance... Can I take a moment and talk to my students about F sharp? (laughs) In 99% of the cases, 
I sure can. I don't necessarily have to teach them about things like enharmonics or show them the symbols or discuss the rule of sharp staying sharp for the whole measure or any of that other stuff. But to think that my student is incapable of understanding a concept just because it is not introduced until the next book, well, that's kind of ridiculous, my friends. (laughs) I hate to see teachers miss opportunities in the lesson. Don't even get me started on eighth notes. (laughs) This notion that eighth notes need to wait months or years to be introduced to our students It's just such a missed opportunity. (laughs) What I'm really getting at here, friends, is this. When your student or students sit down in front of you, your primary purpose in that lesson is to make sure that they leave your studio understanding or appreciating something new about music that they didn't when they arrived. That's it. That's the goal. When I was a child, my Girl Scout leader drilled into us this idea that when we visited a place, we needed to leave it in better condition than when we found it. I'm sure you've heard that somewhere, someplace. So like, for instance, when we would go to camp, those cabins were spotless and then some when we left to go back home because we were leaving them better than the condition we found them in. I think of my students as being the same way. The student who leaves my studio is a better musician than they were when they entered. Plain and simple. Sometimes that means they advance to the next pieces in their books. Hooray! (laughs) But sometimes it means that we listened to three different recordings of their sonatina and we discussed what we liked and what we didn't about the different tempo choices and stylistic interpretations. It means that I am the one guiding my students' instruction. It means that if there are pieces in their method book that feel weirdly out of sequence and I want to teach them in a different order, then that's what I do. (laughs) And it means that I skip things or circle back and repeat things or all kinds of other funny sequential habits. But really, for me, It means that I use far more of what our industry calls supplemental repertoire than I do method material. You guys have probably heard me talk about that in a million other places. But at the end of the day, I know that my students are in my studio to learn from me, my ideas, not the books I use, I mean, their books are a vehicle, an important vehicle to learning the instrument, but it's not the other way around. Now, allow me to give you one big caveat here, okay? I fully realize that I am at this place in my teaching career because I have been very committed to studying the learning process. And I've been doing so for quite a while. The newer you are to teaching, the closer you should follow your method series of choice. Again, they have been written by someone who knows a lot about a lot. (laughs) 
Just keep in mind that the writers of the curriculum you are using had to make concessions somewhere along the line. They had to settle on the progression that they felt would benefit the largest group of students. I don't know a curriculum developer out there who honestly thinks that they have written the one-size-fits-all method. It's just never going to happen. So I say this to remind you that this flexibility I'm talking about does come largely with time and experience. But I happen to know that a lot of you listening are seasoned teachers. And I hear it from you guys all the time. Like you don't like something about your method series of choice. Or you catch wind of a series that is supposed to be better. And you think the only answer is to jump ship completely. Now I will say that I think challenging yourself to work in a variety of books can make you a better teacher. But. There are seasons in your teaching life when it makes sense to explore new things, and there are also other seasons when it makes more sense to stick with what you know, but experiment, play around with it. Because remember, we are musicians, and play is at the core of what we should be doing. I take great issue anytime anyone insinuates that there is one right way to do anything at our instruments. (sighs) Okay, (laughs) if you ever find yourself struggling with feeling like you are teaching the same old, same old, let me just say that the Studio Foundations course is exactly what you need to hit that refresh button on your work. As of the time of this recording, the cost of the Foundations course is $129, and I'm just here to tell you that will not always be the case. (laughs) The course includes over three hours of video instruction, a robust course workbook for you to fill out, access to a private Facebook group, as well as two to three online alumni meetings throughout the year. That, friends, is a lot of bang for your buck. (laughs) Trust me. Enrollment is currently open at christinawhitlock.com slash foundations, and you can also find that link in the show notes. Okay, friends, it is now time to toast our way out of here. music teacher friends from all around the world. Today, we are rallying around our collective expertise. Even if you struggle to call yourself an expert, I want to remind you today that you know a lot about a lot. (laughs) And I want your students to leave their lessons knowing or appreciating something on a deeper level than they did when they entered. It's that simple. We get really caught up in what we do during a lesson. And instead, I hope today offered a reminder to focus our attentions back on the whys and the hows of what we do, because those are the things that build lifelong musicians, plain and simple. 
This is me raising my glass to you, my knowledgeable teacher friends. Here, here. listening to episode 142 of the Beyond Measure podcast, I will offer a friendly reminder that I am happy to bring the full-length versions of those sessions I mentioned in this episode to a teacher group near you. Just pass my name along to whoever is in charge of your organization's planning for the year. I have some great groups lined up to talk to in person and online in 2024, and I would love to add your group to the list. Head over to christinawhitlock.com slash speaking for more of that information. And with that, I am off to welcome the newest participants to the Studio Foundations course. You can still register this week if you find yourself feeling envious. (laughs) Be well, my teacher friends. Onward and upward toward embracing your own expertise.